What's up, creepy cats? We are back with another week of Ew That's Creepy podcast. This week, we are discussing on-duty paranormal experiences, as if being in active duty was not stressful enough. Today, Jackie will be telling Melissa about the hauntings of Marines stationed at OP Rock in Afghanistan. Lock the doors and get under your blankies, because this episode is creepy. creepy cats welcome back for another week of ooh that's creepy hi this week our theme is supernatural military experiences i guess it's kind of a mouthful yeah it is i don't really know what to call it but jackie and i both just found stories that were paranormal type of stories but they were happening to People that were in the military, so... On their, like, military sites, not just, you know, like... Yeah, during active duty. Yeah, that's what, that's a great way to say it. Maybe not just, we'll... like, them in training. They're out there, and they are full-on doing the thing. As if it wasn't stressful enough to be on duty. Oh my gosh, I know. I was literally thinking that, because today the story I'm going to be talking about is on Paranormal Witness. Love... Love it. We stand Paranormal Witness. If you've never seen that show, what are you doing? Because it is amazing. They should reboot it and have us as the hosts. Oh my gosh, they really should because I love that show. But this, the episode is called Beneath the Rock. It's season four, episode 12, if you're going to watch it. And this main story takes place in 2009 in Helmand province, Afghanistan at what is called Operation Point Rock, aka OP Rock. Um, at the time, NATO and the U.S. were working on an operation on the Taliban. So there were, I believe, eight Marines who were going to OP Rock and were basically going to just, like, stake it out and guard it against the Taliban. Mm -hmm. So there weren't that many of them, just a few. But they were going there to relieve the British. There were British soldiers there going to relieve them, like, of their duties and basically take their place for a little bit. Okay. One of these men, basically the leader of them, is... Corporal Jacob Lena, Lena, he was one of the main people telling the story on Paranormal Witness, and he's been interviewed, like, multiple times, um, just about, like, the paranormal stuff that goes on here. So, he is in charge of the group of men, and another person there is... God damn it, MJ. LMJ. MJ is not there. <laughs> Another corporate MJ. Lance Corporal MJ. <laughs> All right. Lance Corporal Adam Wilson. He's another one of the eight men there. He said he was like literally just in training for the army, and next thing he knew it, he was going off to Afghanistan to OP Rock. He was like, he didn't even have a choice. 
He had no say so. He was up and gone before he even knew what he signed up for. Oh, that always breaks my heart when that happens. I know that must suck. That must suck. Cause you're like, whoa, this is happening so fast. So Lance Corporal Damian Zolik is another one. So this group of men, they arrive there. The British soldier guy, they're there to like be like, what's up? You know, this is what you guys got to do. So the Americans are coming in and they're just, the British soldiers, I'm assuming, are kind of just going to give them the lay of the land and tell them what's up and then leave. Yeah, and okay. I'm pretty sure they're supposed to stay there for a while and then the British, like that small group of British British soldiers is supposed to come back and like, you know, swap again. Okay, that So makes sense. they get there and um, Lance Corporal Zolik, I'm just going to call them by their last names because if I try to say their titles this whole time... I will just be stumbling all over my words. Okay. So, Zolik said that when they got there, he just had kind of a weird vibe upon entering. They said it, like, definitely wasn't, like, a big rock like they were expecting. It was just kind of, like, a hole, and it was very, very, like, bare. There was really no place to, like, sleep or anything. It, it was just all out in the open and bare. Who chose that, then, as an, a place for the army to be? A girl. I don't know. So, but they did say on the only bright side was that there was a dog there who they nicknamed Ugly Betty, who I guess was just like a dog who stuck around where the people were. Aww. I mean, this wasn't, is this like so secluded? Like, there are people nearby. It's just like this is a military base. But there is a, there was a dog. Yeah, that stayed. And they nicknamed it Ugly Betty. And Lena loved animals, so he like took it upon himself to care for the dog and, like, look after it and all that. Love that. So, the British soldiers were, like, saying their goodbyes and everything, leaving. And, like, one of the last things they said before they left was, if you dig anything up, put it back where you found it. Wow. That's very specific. I was gonna say. And, like, the guys are talking and they're like, we just, like, thought they were joking around with us. Like, we kind of thought that they were messing around. I'm like, what kind of joke? Like, what do you mean? I don't understand how that in any way would be a joke, but whatever. <laughs> but yeah, so they just said, if you dig anything up, put it back where you found it. So the very first night, Lena was watching, like, the machine gun post, you know, doing the nightly watch. He said that you're just alone by yourself in the middle of the night on your post. He said that the sergeant, Sergeant Green, would do a distinct tap-tap on your shoulder, a little double-tap to get your attention to know when he was there and to just, like, check up on you and ask how you are. So, Lennon said that uh, Sergeant Green came up and did his tap-tap and asked how he was and then walked away. And then he was just watching and he hears something on the radio. He said it just sounded like it was crackling and kind of gurgling that was, like, fading in and out of the radio. You know, that, like, type of static-sounding creepy as hell sound. Yeah, which is already bad enough. So, he called the main base and asked if they had said anything or were, like, trying to get in touch with them, and they said, no, there was no traffic on the radio. Yeah. So, he turned up the volume after that and heard it again and heard a distorted voice that wasn't English. So, he said that he thought it was just the batteries or something, and he replaced it and just kind of finished his night. 
How the hell? But that was, yeah, like, the first night he was there, he was already feeling, or while feeling and hearing some scary stuff. So, Zolik said that the area just felt exposed, like, somebody was always watching you. And I mean, in the military, I'm sure you're, like, have that sense of paranoia. Especially since they said this place is all open and not naturally covered by anything in nature, so. Yeah, since they said it's just naturally bare, it kind of would seem like you would feel that way. But they were saying it was just, like, an extra feeling. Of somebody always watching you and being, like, right around you. Yeah. And they said that they couldn't really understand why the British hadn't dung... Dung. (laughs) (laughs) Dung beetle. Dung beetle. Hadn't hadn't dug deeper trenches around the area for protection. So they said that was, like, one of the first things that they were going to set out to do was dig deeper trenches around the area. So, Lena is digging, and he hits metal all of a sudden on something, and he sees that it's, like, a metal stick with Russian lettering on it, Uh. like a place marker. (gasps) He knew that the Russians had been there in the 80s and had been there before. Um, Wilson noticed something, and Lance Corporal Smith, another Marine... They started digging around the area and found some ceramic pots and some other stuff, like pottery type things like that. They saw something deep in like this little crevice kind of at the bottom of something and they were trying to figure out what was down there and how to get it out. And when they did get it out, they found that it was a femur bone and that it was definitely human. Oh, fuck no. Put them all back where they found them and stop digging immediately, like the your predecessors told you. Yeah, like the British advised. Uh, Lance Corporal Smith, he was kind of like the jokester and prankster of the group, so he was just like not really taking it as serious as the others. But the others did take, or they did put it back. They were uh, pretty superstitious and did think it was weird, so they put it back. At least some of them did. But afterwards, they said they kept ju- they kept digging and that they couldn't really dig anywhere like five feet around them without eventually finding bones everywhere in the dirt. Like it was just bone after bone. And they said that that was definitely why the British hadn't dug deeper because they were definitely on top of a graveyard of some sort. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that happened pretty quick and I do not think they continue to dig <laughs> once again of all places who decided that this would be where a i know military base would be yeah yikes so austin hoyt he's another one of these marines he spent his 20th birthday here Aww. 20 years old little and he's baby one of eight marines all alone in this op rock in afghanistan So, it was the night of his birthday, and he said that he was on watch, you know, lonely night, and all of a sudden, he just got that really horrible feeling that he was being watched. On watch, you're being watched. (laughs) Right? All of a sudden, he hears a blood-curdling scream. (sighs) 
Lena hears it too. So he thinks that somebody has gotten like snatched or somebody is like coming to get them or whatever. Someone murdered out in the night. Yeah. So he goes to look and he finds Wilson's out there also looking like what's going on. So Hoyt is like watching on the post and Wilson and Lena are at the same time a little while off like also looking around seeing what's going on. Hoyt is like looking through his binoculars to see if someone is caught in the wire and he's looking around but he doesn't see anything and then all of a sudden he sees something move like outside the perimeter wire. Yeah. So Wilson and Lena have like caught up to him by now. All three soldiers have their guns drawn and they're all looking through their optals, their optals, <laughs> their thermal optics <laughs> to see if someone is hiding because they would be able to see it with the heat. They'd be able to see like a body or anything if it was just beh- hiding behind a rock or something like that. My heart would be in my ass just looking through that <laughs> thing seeing if anyone was there. Oh my God. Same. I would be terrified. But they don't see anything. And Hoyt says he knows, like, he saw something, and they all definitely heard a man scream. So, they're all, like, pretty creeped out, but they just go back to their spots and their posts because they didn't find anything. The next morning, Lena took another uh, Lance Corporal out, Lance Corporal Parker. They were going to look and see if they could find anything from the night before and kind of check their perimeters and see if anything had gotten through. Mm-hmm. Leonard said that he definitely would have seen a human footprint or an animal footprint if anybody would have been around, but they didn't find anything. And they found, like, no signs of life that had been there for the night before. That would really scare me. Yeah, me too. So... Zolik was on watch one night, and he said he was just reflecting about life stuff. That's literally what he said. Life stuff. He said he was just there thinking on his post, and he said it got, like, so ungodly hot there and just ridiculously uncomfortable and hot that he took his helmet off, but you're not allowed, so he, like... I think one of the sergeants came up and just, like, yelled at him and then walked away, and he was left again to think about life stuff on his own. (laughs) Think about how hot he was. Yeah, think about how hot he was and how he had to suffer with his helmet on. So, he's just sitting there doing that, and a couple hours later, he feels a rush of cold air go by, like, right in front of him, and he hears a kind of crackling noise on the radio. He then said that he felt a breath on the side of his face and heard a whisper in his ear, And he spun around really quick, but there was no one there, and there was nothing behind him. He said that the whisper sounded Russian, and it definitely was not English. But he was just like, oh, I'm just tired. That's so, ugh, that just gave me the chills because someone's whispering in your ear, and you don't even know what the hell they're whispering. I know, thinking that it's whispering in Russian is, yeah, just so creepy hearing that. Ugh. So, he said he was just, like, trying to, I think, talk himself, like, out of it, saying he was tired. And he heard footsteps above him. And he said it definitely sounded like if somebody... He's, like, in this little building thing, a little lookout post. So, he said it definitely sounded like if somebody was walking above him. 
So he assumed that it was um, Smith, who was, like, the prankster of the group, just playing a joke on him or something. Uh So he, like, ran outside to look on top of the little building, but there wasn't anybody there. And that was when he realized that, like, something spooky was going on. Something was... Shit ain't right here. Exactly. He said something was not right. So he turned on his thermal scope and was, like, scanning the area, looking around the base, and... He didn't see anything at all. So he's just walking around, still scanning some more. And he sees someone directly in his sight. He says that the person had their fists balled up and were, like, kind of walking towards them. And he was about to shoot. So he lowered his scope real quick to, like, see if it was somebody, one of his men. And nothing was there, like, when he lowered his scope. Oh, my God. I just got such bad chills. That's literally a nightmare. Yeah. So, he says he scopes the area again, and no one is there. And he was, like, really creeped out. So, he said he goes back into his little building, and he just feels that same cold feeling. Like, that's, like, someone's there and someone's watching him. So, Hoyt eventually comes later on in the night to relieve um, Zolik of his post, and Zolik, like, tells him, I'm experiencing all this creepy stuff, and Zolik just started feeling really alone. He said he was, like, a really lonely, depressed type feeling. He said that he knew the place was haunted, and that, like, no one really believed him about it, so he requested a transfer to get out of there. Is he the baby of the group? No, that's Hoyt. Aww. But this guy, Zolik was still... They were all... It said they were all, like, younger. I think probably all in their 20s, I would say. That's sad. I'm sure it was embarrassing and unmanly for them oh, to say, yeah. I'm scared here. Yeah, and I think the other guys, as sad as it is, were kind of just like, I mean, how can we trust somebody who doesn't want to be here to watch our backs? So it was like, Aww. they said it sucked being a man down after that, because it's not like they're sending in a replacement, but... Zolik did leave, and wow. he got a transfer. Yeah, because he just, like, could not um, deal with it. I don't blame him. Yeah, he said, I was dealing with the bugs, the literally getting possibly killed by the Taliban. Like, I couldn't deal with spirits, too. <laughs> so, a few days after Zolik leaves, Lana is on watch, the night watch, and he hears ugly Betty barking in the distance. And he looks through his gun to see what she's barking at, And he sees something, like, far in the distance. And he's trying to look through it. And he says it looks like a scout from the Taliban. He says the person was looking right at him. He said it felt like they were literally staring right at him. And he's looking at them through his scope and his gun. He's not just, like, you know, looking at them. And he said it felt like they knew he was there and were looking right in his eyes. I think I would have been so scared I would have just fired off like 10 rounds. Oh my right god, there. same. I don't know how you wouldn't, <laughs> how you wouldn't be able to. So he says that he switched over to his thermal optics and um, tried to look through that and he didn't see anything. So he goes back to his night vision goggles again and he said the figure was now 100 meters closer. <gasps> closer <gasps> to him. And closer in sight. I'm scared. Yeah, and he said there was no way it obviously could have moved that far in just a few seconds and would have been, like, right up in his grill like that. (laughs) So, he looks through the thermal again, and he doesn't see anything. But the dog is still barking the whole time in that direction. So, 
he knows it's not like just him because the dog is still barking. Yeah. And he feels um, the double tap of Sergeant Green on his shoulder and he turns around and no one's there. <gasps> so he starts looking through his thermal yeah. goggles again, starts looking around and he doesn't see anything at all. And I'm so creeped out. Yeah. The dog, Ugly Betty, runs over him and stops barking. And this time he was like, he said he knew for sure that Zolik was onto something when he left because there was just no way. And, like, Ugly Betty's barking in that direction confirmed that it wasn't him. It wasn't just him. I'm sure he wished he uh, had believed Zolik before he had left. I know, right? I'm sure. So, one night Hoyt is on watch and... He said everyone else is sleeping except one other guy who's like 20 meters away. And he hears footsteps. And he looks behind him and he doesn't see anything. But Ugly Betty starts growling and her hair is up and her teeth are barred. So he scans the area with his camera and he doesn't see anything. So he calls out to Smith who says he doesn't see or hear anything. But he hears the footsteps behind him again, and he feels hot breath on him this time. So he turns around, and there's still nothing there. And that was, like, his moment of, like, his awakening of, like, wow, something is actually going on. This shit is haunted. Yeah. So it's day 40 now. They've been here for 40 days. Wilson is awoken one night to ugly Betty barking in the distance as it tends to go (laughs) at OP Rock. And he gets, like, a cold chill over him. He says the radio started to be all staticky and stuff, and he started to hear whispering. He said at first it was just faint, like you could barely hear it, but then it was it started getting louder, and there was no one there. So he said he heard it again, and it was more distinct, and he could tell that the person was speaking Russian this time. I don't know what's worse, hearing a faint whisper or being able to hear what they're actually whispering about, but just just that it's in Russian. I know. And he said it just kept getting louder and sounding like it was moving closer towards his ear. And then he said that it just got so loud where it basically just sounded like it was screaming in his head. And he said he felt very, very scared. Ew. As I assume that you would. I would just cry. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so at this point in day 40, they all have, like, realized that they have felt something. They're all, like, discussing it at this point, and they've all, like, basically come to the conclusion that it's haunted. Ugh. Um, Lance Corporal Smith is, like, the only one who's not really affected by it, and it's the only one that's, like... The prankster of the group? Yeah. Mm. So it's day 59, and it's their last night. They've Ooh. somehow, yeah, got the call that... They're no longer needed, and they can go. Yay! So the British are supposed to come and relieve them the next day, the British soldiers. Um, Lance Corporal Diggs, he's one of the other guys there, he calls over Lena and says that something's wrong with the radio, and said that the two radios that they had went dead in ten minutes, and so Lena grabbed, they had one pair of batteries left, and put them in. He said, like, if that doesn't work, they don't have any communication with anybody until tomorrow when they come and get saved, basically. Uh, hell. So, Lena changes the batteries, and he walks out. And a couple minutes later, Diggs says to him that that radio is dead again. 
So now they don't have any means of communication with anybody. These ghosts hate them. Oh, of course. And all of a sudden, they just hear gunfire from a machine gun, like, (gasps) striking out through the air. Oh, my God. They said that the gunfire was way closer than they had, like, ever experienced. And Wilson, he was, like, in the little, like, hut type thing that they had, the little building. (laughs) And he said that he heard the machine gun fire, like, right by his ear. He said he was shook. Out of nowhere, they said that they hear RPG blasts and, like, a rocket fly over them. Oh, my God. They said that they are literally all, like, pissing. <laughs> they said they're trying to figure out where they're getting attacked from, so they all spread out and try to clear and check the trenches and, like, make sure no one's there, and they don't find anything, but they're still hearing shots. So, Wilson said that he heard a gun, yeah, that was, like, so close to his ear that he could hear, like, the sound of somebody pulling the trigger on the gun. Is, at this, at that point, how was no one saying, I can hear them right next to me, like, what is going on? I don't know, I think it just happened so quick. Well, I don't true, think they you're probably trained They're probably to... shook, yeah, and they're just like, what in the hell is going on? So, all of a sudden, it just goes dead silent, and everything stops. So they all, like, go outside the little building and meet up, and they're like, what in the hell? And that is, like, when they said, like, Smith, for the first time, got so frustrated and just took off his helmet and, like, just threw it at the ground. Like, he was just like, oh, my God. I've had enough. Literally. But the next day, they get the order that it is their time to leave OP Rock and move on, and they are all pretty excited and pretty hyped to leave. And the British pick them up and tell them that it was haunted. Like, when they pick them up, they're, they're just like, like thank yeah. They're like, thank you, we found that out, and we actually were just uh, almost annihilated by ghosts last night with machine guns literally, and RPGs. Literally, they were like, yeah, we already knew that, but we weren't going to tell y'all that. So, <laughs> they luckily get picked up, yeah, by the British, and they told them that when the Russians first went there, and invaded the area that they had killed all the people that had been there and took over the rock. But when they took over OP Rock, the Taliban eventually snuck up on them one night and attacked them and ritualistically beheaded all of the Russian soldiers that were there. Holy shit. So when the soldiers left, they did kind of wonder if they had unleashed something when they had moved the bones and stuff and had started digging, because that was what the British had said not to do, and they had done it. Yeah, no wonder all those ghosts are so pissed. They were just beheaded in the middle of the night. Right. So, after leaving OP Rock, uh, Lance Corporal Smith was killed on a secure base by a rogue bullet. What? Lance Corporal Diggs died in an IED blast. Oh, my God. Sergeant Green suffered horrific face injuries from an IED blast. Oh my god. And Lance Corporal Parker was killed in action on patrol. (gasps) So, out of the eight men, only three of them, Hoyt, Lena, and Wilson, survived the whole ordeal completely, like, unharmed. Zolik left, and Sergeant Green suffered, like, horrific injuries. So they're, they're the only ones who went to OP Rock and then made it back to the United States off-duty without having horrific injuries or dying? Yeah. 
So th- and I mean Zolik, yeah, he transferred. So they think that, oh my god, they think that it's obviously cursed because they touched the bones and moved them. Yeah. <gasps> like, I don't know if it's, like, the other guys in specific, like, just them. They said on the show, they're like, it does seem like some Final Destination stuff and we hope we're okay, but... Oh my god, were they nervous about it? They said no, not really. But I also looked up after the show trying to just find out, you know, more on it and not just from the Paranormal Witness episode. It didn't say much, really. It just said basically what the Marines had reported. It also, one other thing I saw. Wait, these were Marines who were there? I thought this was the military. I don't know what branch. It just kept saying... Marines, Like, it just says U.S. Marines. So. Aren't the Marines in the water? Girl, I don't, I don't, I'm not even going to try. I'm just, I know that the, <laughs> literally the article says U.S. Marines, so I'm just going to go by that. Sorry. But it did say, yeah, that the, another thing that the Marines, in a different article that they witnessed was flashing lights through the air, like, in the night, almost as if, like, gunfire was going on. But there was no one there. They didn't hear it. So I did read some history on the area. And it said that... um, Wait, so I'm sorry. That last article was just people... That last article was separate Marines who had also said that they experienced scary shit there? No, I'm pretty sure it was the same group. Like, this group of guys went there in 2009, and I'm pretty sure, like, they said immediately after they went that it was haunted. And then, like, in 2014, because it was, like, the U.S. went there, and then they just, like, those eight guys, they just came back, and, like, the British stayed there, so I don't think, like, it wasn't like people were still over there. I think they just came back and, like, told their story. Okay. But, um... Then the Paranormal Witness episode came out in, like, 2014, I think, and got the story a little more popular. Okay. So, I found in another article some history about the place. It said that uh, in the years before the 1940s, there had been, like, some tribes there and stuff, and they had said that the area was a spiritual site and had used it uh, as a burial site. Oh. God. They said that it had originally been used as a fort, but had somehow, like, collapsed on itself, the area. They said it is unclear who exactly built it, but there was a lot of empires there. Like, the, like they said Alexander the Great had somehow been in the region. Satan himself built it. Yeah, but residents of the area said that the mounds that are there were all, like... Definitely had some spiritual significance and stuff, and that it definitely had been a graveyard for all those years, I think, previously, like, from the 1700s on. So, they said that the rock was likely used as a graveyard up until around the 1980s and the start of the Soviet-Afghan War. (coughs) Bless you. Excuse me. Thank you. Was had what led um, some Russian soldiers to go there, but yeah, as they know, that group of Russian soldiers that had been there got all beheaded in the middle of the night, which is like terrifying as it is. So it's crazy to think that before even the Russian soldiers were there, there was already bad energy and bodies being buried there. Well, then also one more thing is yeah. that um, the U.S. Marines. When they seized the post, like, when they got it back from the Taliban and seized the post, 
they did that by dropping a bomb on the area and they said that underneath was like these little caves and stuff was where Taliban fighters were um, sheltering. Oh. So when they first went there to clear the area, they did find tunnels. Lance Corporal Brendan Kelly, he was one of the first people to go there after those bombings of the Taliban by the U.S. and said that there had been small tunnels dug into the base that led to a single chamber that was most likely a tomb or a fort. What? <laughs> yeah. So they said that it, like, led into some little area, which is where the Taliban was probably, like, hiding underneath, but um, the U.S. bombed it. So they said all those men either were died from the bombing or being suffocated from being underneath the ground. That's nuts. No wonder this yeah. place has horrible energy. Yeah, so that's basically the story of it. I'm not exactly sure what's going on with it now, but I couldn't find any stories of anyone else really having experiences other than those group of um, Marines, I'll just say, because that's what they're called in the article, those group of men who went there in 2009 and then came back. But, I mean, it's like, the natives of the area just have always said it's like a haunted area and the British have said it too. So now it just does kind of have this like famous tale and association with it of being haunted. Ew. I feel like I'm going to die by RPG blast by just talking about this story. <laughs> it's not funny. Like it's, it's not. not funny that they're like No, it's, it's terrifying that they basically have to worry even worry about that the fact like, that they're all cursed now they're probably already suffering from ptsd from being in afghanistan I right know. during the height of 9-11 and everything like that and having ptsd combined with probably also ptsd of being spiritually like shot at every single night <laughs> oh my god yeah that's horrible that story really scares me because of all that stuff with... I think this was after 9-11. But it's not like it matters. It's still terrifying. Like... But that's what I mean. Like, after 9-11 yeah, even is when yeah, tensions were that. really high with Afghanistan. So it would have been rough to go over there I during that time. couldn't imagine. Yeah. Like, you just think you're doing your military duties and you signed up for all this spookiness, too. Like, no thanks. That's why it's so scary. Because you're just picturing them being alone in this foreign place looking through a scope and seeing a person standing out there. Ugh. Terrifying. I hate it. I'm shook. Well, my story, I'm really excited to tell my story um, in a couple days because it is definitely paranormal, but I'm not going to say it's ghosts. <laughs> oh. I'm scared. Yeah, no matter what, it will be creepy as hell, obviously. I'm creeped out already, just thinking about it. That story actually really scared me. I'm going to be looking in my mirror the whole time I drive home thinking someone's in the backseat. I know, that story is really creepy. I don't like it, especially since they left and those poor guys died in, like, all those weird ways. Right? Something ain't right. When I go out and shoot my AK-47, I'm really going to be scared to look in the scope. <laughs> Can say maybe in Call of Duty. Yeah. We have no guns in this household. No, no. Even in Call of Duty, I would be, uh, now I'm scared to see someone standing in the distance. Yeah, right. That's terrifying. 
I hope you guys liked it, though. Yeah, I hope you guys got really creeped out and we're all like, ooh, that's creepy. <laughs> yeah, if you guys don't say ooh at least once when you listen to the podcast, then we're not doing a very good job. Yeah, keep listening. We'll We'll do better. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast, or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.